1 spell slots and level 2 spell slots and level 3 spell slots. With a warlock, as you level up, it's always your max level. So you'll, like, once you hit, you'll have three spell slots, and if they're level three, all of them are level three, and you they'll never be lower than that. Gotcha. I can see why people would love that. But they, so they're a little bit more limited, but they come back at a short rest, which is super useful. Got it. Got it, got it. But yeah, like a little, like a, like a sorcerer warlock build is really good. Pretty much anything charisma. Paladin warlocks nice. are pretty strong. Bard Warlocks. Let me find some fun little sounds to put on in our little loading area here. Let's try... Oh, here's one called Myconid Colony. That's just a song called that? It's just a bunch of bossa nova. (laughs) I'm on tabletopaudio.com, so they have like 10-minute loops. It's not just sound, it's like... Or it's not just music, it's like sounds and stuff too. Uh-huh. We won't be using that all night just for this intro area here. Get some little little do spook. Da, do, do, da, my <laughs> Who just did like a dubstep drop? <laughs> that was <laughs> me, but it was I was supposed to it was, it was a like raspberry. A yeah. Oh. Like a cra- weirdo. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my what do you do if your humor's cringe? <laughs> Cleo, say some words for me. You just go with uh, it. I'm saying some words for you. Cringe. That's pretty good. Trevor, say some words for me. I am saying words. Behold, the words have been said. Thank you. The words have been said. My Sharona. I'm wondering how it's changing. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things to do in the world is interrupt your sentences and just like try to complete them. Your incomplete thoughts are like a bounty of creativity. <laughs> a cornucopia, as it would. <laughs> I'm just I'm <laughs> Your incomplete thoughts are a bounty of creative possibility. It's the sweetest, <laughs> most romantic thing anyone's ever said near me. <laughs> oh wow. Not even to you, near you. <laughs> and Josh has been to a lot of weddings, guys. <laughs> Lots of weddings. That's true. That's true. So this mic ended music is pretty alright, but it needs more mob boss to be lore accurate. True. Lore accurate. Mike did sounds. <laughs> Needs the uh that Peaky Blinders, like the the anvil or whatever that there you always you hear at the beginning of every episode of Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. And Rag and Bone Man. <laughs> Gotta get him to sing the theme. First Rag- time I ever like saw that show like show up in like a feed somewhere, I thought it was pronounced Peaky Blinders. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Why? <laughs> No, I, I don't know. I don't Have know. you? Just, has don't anyone ever me. pronounced the word blinders around you? Like, no, but I don't think any. I don't think I have ever read the word blinders. Maybe is the thing. Really? Not like, like in the context wild. of horses. Like it really comes up. Maybe I don't know, man. I just remember Peaky Blinders, I think, and I was like, that's just a weird name. I think I learned that. 
Because yeah, I think, last I name. think context of horse blinders is where I also learned how to pronounce it or have seen that word first time in my life. And I think that I think that had to have been like in in middle school for me or something. I, I want to hey, say in the chat. I, I went to a oh that's like my a, problem. I didn't go to middle school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I went to like a summer retreat or something. They had horses and they had blinders on uh, because they're doing like a western. Uh, thing, but the blinders were so to be authentic, but also so the horse doesn't freak out to the audience. Huh. But I don't. Yeah, I'd never seen them before, and I don't know. I um, I so, knew about so it mostly in sports metaphors. Would people blinders be like in front, and so you could only look out the sides? What? My eyes can't do that. No. <laughs> no, they would no. still just block your peripheral vision. Yeah. The whole point is the black peripheral vision. That that's the that's the point. So that nothing comes from the side and spooks you when you're trying to focus but, on what you're but doing. But horses' eyes are on the side of their heads. Yeah. So they just put them like, like to to the side of the eyes, to like. Have you not? I'm gonna have to look up what blinders look like. I'm just thinking of where the eyes are placed. No, you're and you're where thinking the blinders of are placed you're on thinking the eyes. of blinders, not blinders. It's oh, blinder. I hardly know her. Is what I said. Oh, because. It, you have to peek through them. They're the peaky blenders. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, here, let me switch my source over again. I'm just uh, randomly browsing a web page. There's your camera. Yeah, here. I mean, I know what horse blinders look like. Quick, dox all our other tabs. Okay. <laughs> no. 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 Screenshot it. Posted to Twitter. <laughs> it's like it's a lot of calculator tabs. Uh, do they know how to do basic math? Don't worry. Those are calculator it. tabs being used to add up HP because someone made their character like 30 <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> That's my I guess. Know, I, I, know, I, I was joking about the calculator, calculator tabs. I have no yeah. idea. I, 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 I was just read a thread HP. of multi-classing tips here. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Hey, so I, I read making, something interesting oh, sorry, uh, today from, I, I was browsing a couple of different forums. I'm on like, you know, r slash DM Academy and a couple others like that. And someone was talking about ways to incorporate the insight skill into social interactions. And they were saying that they design all of their NPCs with obligations and intentions rather than trying to give them goals or motivations or anything like that. And that gives you the chance to, so you can use insight to try and figure out one or the other, or you can use it twice to try and figure out both. But having those two things in conflict can help you as the player navigate the interaction. So an example, and I'm making this up off the top of my head, let's say you have to get past a guard. Um, instead of the guard having a goal or something, he could have um, the he could have an obligation to maybe his captain is like a family friend. And so he feels obliged to please that person but his inclination is towards greed. And so this guy would be easy to bribe, mm. but he would feel bad about it. So you'd have to find a way to overcome his obligation to his captain. Maybe the That's money is for something good or important. Alternatively, you might have a totally different person who has an obligation to like their family. And so for that person, instead of appealing to their greed, you might try and convince them there's a family emergency and they'll leave their post and go tend to the family emergency and you walk past, you could even offer to help and they would feel like they're getting something out of it. So just kind of using those ideas to sort of approach, how do I you know, navigate this interaction? And it doesn't only have to be helpful for getting past someone. But anyway, so I have tried to incorporate that into the NPCs I've been building for this little arc. So you're welcome to try it or not. 
if you don't do it, it's not going to hurt anything. You know, the normal rules work fine. But I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I like it because then it adds and um, forces you to think a little bit more creatively about like um, like the uniqueness. Of, it's a simple way to add uniqueness to every NPC. And it gives you more options than bribe them and beat them up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like what pretty much what most parties take as their approach to social Speaking interactions. Speaking of bribes, this, t- this loading screen tip says GMs can be bribed with snacks. That's true, D&D. but tonight I've already got the good snacks. Mm. So good. I'm luck. so full. I I said this before we went live. I got this like garlic shrimp from Costco, and I sautéed it, and I got some pasta, and I got some garlic Alfredo sauce. Whoa! And I just like put it all in a thing, and it was so good. I hadn't made myself spaghetti in a long time, but I liked it a lot. Nice. Did you have a so Costco hot dog while you were out there getting your Costco stuff? No, but Caitlin and I went and got um, chicken bakes. Have you ever had the Costco chicken bake? I believe I have. It's like a long calzone, but with chicken and cheese and bacon and like Thousand Island dressing, basically. It's very good. good. Yeah, it's great. Extremely good. No, Belly, I I can't physically share it with you, Belly, but I did make enough that if you were here, I could. There's a lot left over. <laughs> yeah, Billy, if you just want to go visit the Midwest, uh, I'm yep. sure Jake will take great care of you. Yeah, it's in my he, fridge right now. He probably would. He'd be like, hey, <laughs> like, I'm sure it'd be fine. I now have a less cramped living space to where you could comfortably sleep on a couch instead of crampedly sleep on a couch. So <laughs> there's that. Hey, it's eight o'clock. I'm going to show our faces to the people. Surprise, oh. it's still us. Sorry, or you're welcome, ah. depending on how you feel about all <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> there wasn't a massive cast change between oh, seasons. There. Yeah, there there was no cast change between seasons. Nope, Dang. still us. Same returning uh, voice actors of the talent, uh, although some of them are playing different characters than you might recall them playing. Um, yeah, things are good. How's everybody feeling? You feel ready? You feel excited? You wanna you wanna jump into some gameplay or do we wanna hang out with chat a little bit more? You know, I don't I don't know. Friendly reminder, uh, Belly Savalas and anyone else who might be out there in the chat that a bunch of our interactive rewards are back. You can you can do all sorts of cool stuff uh, with your channel points. So feel free to watch for the golden opportunity to really wreck everybody's lives there. Um, mm-hmm. We have all sorts of fun stuff with descriptions and limit. You know, like the cooldowns should be written in all the descriptions of the rewards and all sorts of good stuff. So that's all in there. Ahem. Bless. Well, if nobody else has any hesitation, it's so weird playing D and D again. I like have actually, to. Yeah, so I, have I know. To like shake, get, Can I? Ha- get, I have ugh. a question. Yeah. Can we talk about jury nullification? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. You'll find out why in a second. Oh um, no. Um, open up fbi that's what did you do (laughs) no it's not open up fbi okay well we got to finish the game before our subpoenas all arrive at our doors (laughs) in the bunker beneath the royal palace of gaim laredith owlin kit and zop sit around a table making last minute preparations Before you are papers scattered seemingly at random, a torrent of reports from spies, merchants, informants, and even heralds passed on from the rest of Urda. 
It's been six months of Alan's attunement and then three days since Alan and Radford hired the twins. Now, sifting through all these reports, you are all trying to decide what's important and relevant. Well, almost all of you. Uh, Riley, you are in a heated argument with Wigbert, <laughs> the, uh, the, the sno- snooty attendant of the palace, over the benefits and detractions of jury nullification. <laughs> this is, I swear, <laughs> written into my opening. <laughs> <laughs> you are also both of those characters, so go ahead, carry on. <laughs> oh, I was not prepared for this. Oh God. Okay. All right. <clears throat> uh, can I can I have a can I have a sample of Wigbert again? Uh, let me think. Okay, yeah, I can give you a sample of Wigbert. Hmm. Um, Wigbert and his uh, propriety and making oh, sure I, everything I, is as it should be in the palace. I, I, I do say I, I do not think this is worth worth the effort. I, <laughs> I I think you're going way out of the way of responsibilities. Okay, and okay. <clears throat> oh God, <laughs> I wasn't mentally prepared for this. Okay. <clears throat> well, as you can see, Wigbert, that without jury nullification, <laughs> then people won't be able to give feedback upon the laws that were unjustly passed. Listen here, you twerp. I can't do... uh, (coughs) (coughs) Uh, Listen here. I will have you know that those people must listen to the monarchy and what the monarchy says is what the people will do. I, I do not see why they have to put their their opinion. Their opinion does not matter in this case. They, they're, they're not the people who are supposed to be making these decisions. The royalty are. That's why they are royalty. They were chosen to, to rule. No, Wigbert, you don't understand. With, with jury nullification, it's it's how it's how the people have a voice. Without that, you're you're taking that away from them, and and then that's when you run into issues with, with civil unrest. Meanwhile, on the other side of the table, <laughs> the, the the remaining members of this adventuring party, Alan, um, Alan Zop, and Radford and Laredith, you've got this huge stack of reports that you've been studying, trying to figure out what to do. Alan, in particular, you've been studying reports of the terrain that is to come okay. for your adventure, while everyone else has been looking through um, a big stack of reports from Laredith, trying to determine what's important. And uh, those of you who have little uh, little Dropbox link for me with those reports in them, you may now open those up and try to decide, sifting through the overwhelming torrent of information, what's important to tell Alan about. You have three minutes of real world time. Whoa. This is the same simulation of we're running out of time, there's too much information. So how do you decide what matters to tell him about? And I believe, uh, Wash, you might not have a link for me. Let me send you one. Sorry. I mean, Radford has a has an aid intelligence, so he's probably just <laughs> going to get some coffee and uh, just make sure everybody's juiced up right now. I respect that take. What has Alan learned about the terrain? Yeah, let's talk about the terrain. So Alan... <clears throat> Uh, to get where you're going, you're going to need to navigate through the Southlands of Urida, and your group has some reports as far as what the spies have learned about the Southlands and things like that. But essentially, this is the space between the Cavorite Mountains, which, you know, Gaim is at the kind of near the bottom edge of the Cavorite Mountains. Then there's some stretch of desert that you'll have to cross, uh, which is the Southlands, and then that will lead you to the Rusty Mountain Range. Um, and then somewhere in the Rusty Mountains is the city of Nowood. 
It was the home city of the Hematicians where they were first founded. Hello, Grubbug in the chat. And they later abandoned their city when their god, Zanir, commanded them to delve deeper into the world and explore the Underdark, thus beginning the 500-year war with the Drow, and there's a whole thing there. Um, now, between you and there, like I said, the Southlands is this big stretch of desert, and then the Rusty Mountains are like dangerous on their own, but there is also a space in the middle of them called uh, the Rusty Jungle. And the rusty jungle is this overgrowth. It's it's everything you think of when you think terrifying jungle. Don't think like fun Tarzan swing through the vines with the monkeys jungle. This is like you go in the jungle and you maybe die. Uh, think, you know, Tomb Raider jungle. So that's kind of the the vibe that you've got there. The journey is estimated to take you about five, four to five days to get through the desert piece. And then however long it takes you to get through the mountains. Now you have a couple different ways to navigate the mountains. And that's the piece that Laredith has really been researching for you. He was like, okay, but how do you find, um, how do you find no wood? So what she's found uh, is that obviously you could just explore on your own. You could take a compass, wander around the mountains, see if you can figure out where no stone would or no wood would be. But there's also a fairly thriving guide trade in the villages at the foothills of the mountains. Um, the Rusty Mountains are somewhat of a tourist attraction for adventuring parties. Ever since they were abandoned by a civilization in the Second Era, there's all kinds of relics and leftover dungeons and, you know, all sorts of stuff falling into decay to explore. So you might be able to hire a guide or find someone to buy a map from or whatever. And she's included in her list of reports some suggestions on, like, here's the little village you might be able to go to and things like that. Um so that's pretty much what, what you've determined so far. Uh, now, if your group wants to report, I'll start your three minutes now, just to be fair. Hmm. Do they have three minutes to look or three minutes to tell me? All of it. Three oh. minutes until something's going to interrupt you and the next world event's going to ah. happen. Ah. What you guys got there? As I pour some, pour some coffee. Come, coming through with the refills. Anything uh, good yes. in that stack? Thank you, uh, Redford. Yes, I'm quite intrigued. I know, I know it's quite a lot. Um, but if either of you have anything to report, um, I would love to Adam? know. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, Hembla, who is at the base of the Rusty Mountains, and that's a good like stop point to uh, gear up gather things, talk to locals about the Rusted Mountains if we want to head there. Uh, what, what's the name of that village? I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch it. Hemblihu? Uh, interesting. It seems to be a tongue that I'm not familiar. Actually, no, Alan has comprehend languages now. Ah, yes, I exactly know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the small village of Hemblihu. Okay, cool. Uh, what do you yes. have over there? Z uh, not Zopf. You're Zopf. What? Uh, yes, Riley. Riley. I'm sorry. It will take a bit, a bit to get used to your names. It, it's okay, Alan. I understand that Zomph and Riley are not the usual combination. They sound alike. I, I will say, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I mean, so we're looking for this place high up in the Rusty Mountains, right? We're yes. looking for no wood. Um, I mean, maybe we have to hit some of the more like there's this Geyser Falls I'm reading about. I don't, I don't know if that would help. It, it seems to lead into a cave system. Um, 
but no no wood itself is going to be high up in there um do you, do you know if sure the geyser to, falls is on is that's in the mountain range is that what it I, seems I, I believe it's in the mountain range yes interesting in the mountains okay um we might have to go through the rusty jungle to get there though so we might want to do what my brother suggested stop at that village mm-hmm. and find a guide that can help us navigate through the center because it seems the geyser falls is at the center of the rusty jungle this makes sense i think that finding a guide will be an interesting uh endeavor as we want to find someone that if they happen to learn the true nature of our quest that they would um definitely not impede what we were trying to do but at the very least but i don't well, know try to help us i know that we're asking them to do a bit more than what they normally would do that perhaps we should stay low in that regard and i would suggest that perhaps we simply pretend that we're normal adventurers yes. i mean your company we we can just pose as Humble lower normal ends. adventurers well i mean at that he's moment, hiring us there's a knock on your door uh, uh get it you guys keep talking the door to the bunker kind of creaks open a little bit and one of the gemstone wardens peeks their head in uh, these are sort of the deputies of the Gemstone Guardians. They're the trainees of the Honor Guard. And one of them pokes his head in and goes, all right, has it been explained to you all how we're getting you out of Gaim? Uh, no, I don't believe it has been. Okay, well then I'll do that quick. Uh, and he steps inside and shuts the door behind him with a uh, So here's what's going on. So we've had, uh, now that the city is on high alert, we have detected and prevented several more intrusions from constructs and other, you know, reconnaissance gathering entities. In fact, uh, Her Majesty the Queen has sent a detachment of her armed forces into the Underdark to clear out, uh, on your own advice, a three-mile radius around the city. Therefore, hopefully, preventing a similar situation to what you described in Tumbleweb. However, it has become clear to us from some of the other things happening in our city that while constructs have not gotten in, other spies and forces have. And because of that, we're going to be smuggling you out of the city. So we have arranged a sort of spectacle down here on the clockwork tier as a distraction. There will be thousands thronging the streets. So once the spectacle begins, which should happen in, he pulls up a little ticking timepiece and checks it, uh, four minutes and 52 seconds, uh, we will be able to release you into the crowd. You'll go unaccompanied so as to avoid drawing attention to you and you can sort of wind your way through the crowd towards the gemstone hall at the center of the tier. From there, uh, one of our gemstone guardians, the Gold Knight, will meet you, and he'll get you into the reticulator and escort you up to the edge of the city, where you will be able to leave through the overworld. Any questions? Uh, No, that sounds perfect. Thank you for letting us know, and also for communicating to us about the surrounding circumstances as well. Of course, time is artifice. Be ready to leave in one minute. And he steps back outside the door to make sure the hallway is clear. Time is artifice. uh, What an interesting saying. Are you you packed, brother? I'm packed. I'm always packed. You're the one who always leaves stuff behind. Oh, please. You're the one that always leaves ones behind. Don't try to gaslight me. -uh. (laughs) Nuh-uh. Such a weak (laughs) comeback. Of course you would. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Alan, um, so in that regard, I think our best bet is to pretend that perhaps we are just visiting and want to see the falls uh, just for curiosity's sake. Maybe mm. keep our intentions, our keep true, the true intentions. intentions. Yes, I see. 
um, further from from the truth, and from there we can perhaps navigate to Correct. what we need to find. Got it. With a great crinkling and throwing of papers, Larodith finally finds the report she was looking for and says, "One one other thing, if you if you don't mind, if we have time." She looks over uh, at yes. the gemstone warden who goes, "Fifteen seconds, ma'am." She goes, "Okay." Uh, the most worrying report to me is not of something that has been happening, but is something that has stopped happening recently. See, until recently, spies from this area of the world had been reporting that there had been large winged creatures carrying great shining objects by night out of the Rusty Mountains, which I believe to have been uh, dragon or dragons carrying those divine batteries but recently those reports mm. have stopped coming in and if there's no more divine energy coming out i am concerned as to what that might mean for and then at that point she's interrupted by the gemstone warden going all right it's time everybody ready to move and he opens up the wooden door Laredith goes be safe be swift good luck and she sits Let's back go. down with her papers to get ready for what she's doing i'm ready i'm ready and you follow him out into the thronging crowd and uh, the for, at first, there's just people everywhere, right? You, you leave the palace, you step out through the, the gates, the gates swing open, and you step out hidden in the middle of a delegation. So Salen herself is walking out to do whatever the spectacle is. You haven't really heard that piece of it. Um, but she walks out. She's escorted by a cloud of people, an entourage, probably 50, 60 honor guards. She's got, you know, scribes and attendants and all of the things that would normally accompany the queen. She's also got her daughter, Caitlin, next to her, the princess, um, she walks out to the center of the crowd and a path sort of opens up for them. And about a fifth into that path or that parting of the people, the gemstone guardians you are walking with very slyly just kind of shove you off into the crowd to the side. And uh, you're able to sort of blend into the the people, especially the Wheatlings have no trouble with this. But even Alan, who's like really tall and kind of noticeable, like even Alan finds himself pretty well disguised in just the mass. People are cheering and excited. And you can see that at the center of the throng, there is a large pedestal of some kind with like a huge cloth over it. This is an unveiling uh, ceremony of some kind. And so the princess and the queen walk up to the front Um and, you know, the trumpets are blaring and everything is happening. I would like each of you to roll a check. You can justify which, and if you don't care which, then I would like it to be a dexterity check to wind stinkily through the crowd without getting spotted by any untoward uh, circumstances. And you may roll it with advantage because you have uh, the aid of the gemstone guardians. Okay. Hmm. The DC to beat is a 15. I got a 16. I got an 18. I got a 12. I'm glad you said roll advantage. Because <laughs> I, I rolled a nat one before that. I was saying, even with advantage, I got a 12. Whoa, whoa. That one too big. How did uh, Zop do? Zop is muted, I think. Zop? 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 <laughs> Zop, drop, and roll. Oh, uh, natural 20. Natural 20. <laughs> Zop is so sneaky that Zop is able to cover Owlin's tracks by being visible. Like, when it looks like someone's going to spot Owlin or too much attention is there, Zop makes a distraction for you and then disappears back into the crowd uh, with that sneaky wheatling prowess uh, being just a small, fast creature. And so you're able to make it over to where you need to go without being interrupted. In fact, you as a group do so well that you're also able to catch some of the ceremony 
that's happening, the unveiling ceremony. And so you are all watching at the moment that Salen, having finished whatever speech um, she was giving, you know, before the unveiling, she grabs the cloth and pulls it off. And standing there is a statue of a seven, seven and a half foot tall orc with a pot uh, tied to his back. And um, he's, he's standing in sort of a, like, like the, you know, the proud hero pose where he's got like the hand holding the backpack strap and he's sort of ready to, ready to go. And um, you can now see clearly not just the queen standing there continuing her, you know, she's um, acclaiming the, you know, his brave behavior and defending the citizens of a nation he's not even a member of and whatever else. But you can see next to her is Caitlin, uh, the daughter of Salen. She has a crumpled up piece of parchment in one hand and she's standing like ramrod straight. She's straight faced and composed as a princess probably ought to be, but you can see that her eyes are red from crying. And uh, as the ceremony continues, you make it to the gemstone hall where you are whisked inside and uh, brought into the gemstone guardian's care. They get you into the reticulator and begin maneuvering you up towards the exit of Gaim, and you know what that means. It means it's story time at the Wing Badger Tavern, and we will be right back. Whoa. Sinir. Gontos. Kotex. Awara. Long ago, the four ancients created a world in harmony. Then, everything changed when the chat emped magic. Only Kelnor, master of good vibes, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. Two years have passed, and four adventurers have discovered a conspiracy, a company selling magic. And although their roleplay is great, they have a lot of XP to earn before they're ready to save anyone. But I believe they can save the world. Let's meet our heroes for tonight's adventure. We can go in whatever order you all go in. Maybe we start with Alan. Go ahead. Whoa. Hello, I am Jake, and I play Alan, the Azamar Barbarian Artificer. Um, and it was so good to hear that intro again. I haven't heard it in so long. It was great. Hello, um, I am Cleo, and I am playing uh, Riley, uh, the Wheatling Cleric Warlock. Hello, I am Trevor. I am playing Zop. Not to be confused with Zoth, the other <laughs> Weedling Warlock. And I'm Wash. I play Radford the White. He's a, a dragonborn monk. Super cool dude. Makes good coffee. And I'm Josh, your Wing Badger Game Master. Without further ado, let's jump back into tonight's adventure as we find ourselves on the road. Uh, we're, we're on foot. Uh, heading out of the mountains and towards the desert. And as you begin your journey, I would like each of you to describe both your character's appearance and maybe your initial behavior, your thoughts, feelings about the the journey you're undertaking. Take us into your heads a little bit. You know what I mean? For sure. Alan is a tall, blonde, long-haired, and bearded Azamar with piercing blue eyes. And he... Uh, go, he likes to go around uh, mostly clothing less in a lot of ways. He's got furry boots, furry less leather boots. He's got furry leather, uh, like I would say equivalent of boxer briefs 
um, but they're very thick and they're very insulated. Uh, and he also has a tool belt that is mounted by suspenders. So like that kind of covers a bit of his body as well. Um, on that tool belt, he has an assortment of items. He has like a bunch of tools used for tinkering and building things. He has a scimitar. He has a cool, like small mechanical pistol looking thingy, but it also has like a dragon's face on one end where like the, where like the bullet would fire where what you would assume to be a bullet would fire out. Um, and, uh, he also has now a rod on his belt as well, which is the rod of intelligence. And that is a new addition that still weighs heavy on him. I think at this moment, um, and then he also has, you know, a pack on and whatnot, but, um, he is walking with purpose. He is, um, he's been feeling impatient and really ready to go after learning how much time he spent attuning to the rod of intelligence as that was kind of the resource that he sacrificed in order to do that time. Um, but, uh, as they're going, you know, he's, he's deep in thought. Um, about what Laredith said about the implications of the batteries possibly not being transported out of Nowood anymore and whether he's leading, you know, this group on a longer journey than they originally expected. Like he's, he's a bit worried that they might get there and do Bumblefoot will have been moved or the things that they meant to find there will have been gone. So he's, that's what he's deep in thought about right now. Hey, I'm Wash. Um, I already said that though. Um, so Radford, <clears throat> he's a white dragonborn. He's, he, I don't know if I've ever described his, his size before, but I was just looking at my character sheet. He's five, five. So he's like this really old, maybe, maybe he's like five, five. Cause he's hunched over, but he's just this little powerhouse, uh, like Bruce Lee looking old dude. Maybe, maybe mixed with a little bit of, uh, the old guy from Dragon Ball Z. He's just kind of old scraggly. He's got these little beardy spike chins, like spike chin beards, spike things, I can words. He's got a couple horns that like curl up over each side. And now that he's outside of Gaim, he he's not wearing his shirt. He likes to just wear his loose, baggy, white cloth MC Hammer pants. And he walks around on these wooden sandals. He's got a couple pair of get on. And then over his back, he's got this big old gourd and a big old bedroll. And he keeps all of his stuff rolled up in. And uh, he likes making booze. He likes making booze and cooking food. And right now, his mind's just kind of... It's kind of full of thoughts of the sky. And airships. And, and he's really excited to have these... Uh, to have found himself in the company of these other adventurers who are willing to join him... On his noble quest that he has been called to by the deities to uh, to save the avatars, he's really, you know, he's really excited to have them <laughs> join that cause and, and to be here. With he feels really supported. Uh, but yeah, he's got he's got a little pep in his step, and uh, he's you know he's he's following behind Alan. He he thinks he's got a lot of a lot of potential, and so he's here to support him and and uh, you know. Save the world. Thanks for looking up. Um, so, Riley is definitely 
she's looking forward to this. Um, she's very excited to go on something new and adventurous, um, but I don't think she's really knows what she's in for her yet. Um, always traveling with her brother. Um, right now, in fact, as they're getting towards the top, she is going through her pack and making sure everything's neat and tidy, uh, making sure she's counted, like how many of exact ingredients she has, keeping track of, you know, her rations and making sure everything's up to snuff. Um, and she's thinking to herself, this is going to be another great little adventure um, that she's going to go on and help, you know, make the world a little better. Um, and I, I don't think she's really processed, like, as much as she, like, tries to dunk on her brother for not thinking things through, I don't think she's actually thought through, like, the gravity of what she's about to do um, and, and how it actually will affect the world. She's just like, I'm helping some people, you know, do the world a better thing and, and you know, help with magic and stuff. And the, the, the words haven't fully sunken into her yet, yet. So she's, she's just looking forward to maybe just having some fun um, and then going back to her, her life after this. So she's just happy to be here. She's just happy to be here. Hello, I am Trevor again. Um, so Zop was, or worked in like the, what, what we would consider like a, a, basically a court or like the, the main municipal building in the community, whatever it may be. Um, and like, as like a documenter organization, um, and he very much prides himself on all of that. Um, and he, he loved to do his work, but when the darkening happened, he felt this sort of like call to action to go and figure out what happened with the um with the community and with uh do bumblefoot because she was ever present for the you know their generations of lives um and so the community decided to send us out to to take on this quest of of finding do bumblefoot um zoff really just likes helping people and doing good and kind of the same way that zoff did just different personality but same sort of goal of bettering the world around them hey it's me again i forgot to mention <laughs> alan also has cool thick glasses <laughs> and also that his eyes are not blue they're gold carry on um happened hello. since day one season one <laughs> chat um, called him out on that so those of you listening at spotify might have missed the connection there but chat was like that's not what alan looks like and he was like oh you're right it's been it's been literally months since i've played alan and i miss him so much but he obviously misses me because i can't remember him as well as i wish <laughs> so i i also would like to jump in real quick and realize i didn't describe how my character looks so we're so rusty. <laughs> um, Riley is um, obviously a wheatling. This very short um, little thing. She's got like short, curly, dark hair um, that kind of just you know hangs down to her shoulders. Uh, she's got green eyes, um, and she has this green jerkin that she wears um that matches the same eye color she made sure specifically that it matched her eye color um you know with some nice leather boots and 
and just normal what would look like equivalent the adventure attire if your adventure attire was purchased at like old navy you know so she's just like yeah i'm ready to go on an adventure and probably is wearing stuff that will not last as long but don't tell her that okay she she, she thinks she looks good and that's okay. what matters how big are wheatlings? I don't think it's ever. Wheatlings come up are in size game. category tiny. I, I do also have to describe my character. <laughs> Anybody else need a chance to revise it? Should we just do them all again? Here, let's put <laughs> let's put Zop back up there. Okay, um, so Zop is uh, he's he's very well kept. Um, he likes to fly most of the time because it's significantly faster. Um, and he's he's no nonsense when it comes to work. So he's he's flying most of the time. Uh, he has like sandy brown hair, uh, purple eyes, and so his appearance is like white, like button down, tucked in belts, khaki shorts. Nice. Yeah. I'm I'm looking up Wheatlings in our our source book here, which if you want to see chat, check out our Discord. Um, and the yeah, typically one foot tall or shorter, with papery translucent wings that stretch to a wider wingspan than their body is tall. Pale yellow skin with many freckles all over and hair that can be a variety of colors, but is usually a darker contrast to their skin tone. That's what Very the Wheatlings tiny. look like as a general race. They're tiny yep. and they're fast. They have a sixty foot fly speed. Whoa! Um, they only have a ten foot walking speed because they're teeny, <laughs> but they 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 do be zooming. Um, so anyway, that's are we all happy with our descriptions of our yeah. characters? Radford, you want to go again? You wanna you wanna tell us a little more about what Radford looks like? He's got white scales and uh, he got these these spiky beard, chin beards, beards, chin spike beard, spike chin beards. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Am I getting All right. deja vu? Uh, that's me. No, that's it. I was. I feel like I was going to add something else just for the meme, but I, I was going to say you hit me with the us, uh, <laughs> so I stopped to wait for you. All right. Well, as the as you begin your first day adventuring, we're going to roll the tension die. We're going to use the oh, and we start off strong with a complication. Yes. Ooh. Uh, you are you are just making your way out of the mountains. So you're at the feet of the Cavarite Mountains. You're sort of stepping out into the desert, and the uh, the wind begins howling and the, the dust and the sand begins kicking up. The sun is beating down on you and almost immediately you can see a massive dust storm kicking up in the distance. It's approaching you fast. You've got, you know, maybe two rounds of time to do any preparations you want to do before this thing is on you. The sky or the, the world ahead of you is blocked out by just a wall of sort of uh, deep, rusty colored sand rushing towards you like a cyclone. Is there a rock to get behind? No. Um, Alan, do we have a plan for this? Um, if I'm being completely honest, no, I had not prepared for this eventuality. However, I would recommend, and Alan will like take, um, he has a set of common clothes that he never wears in his pack. Okay. <laughs> He's going to take the shirt, which he will not use as a shirt, but he is going to tie it around like his lower half of his face so that he doesn't breathe in dust. Uh, I, I, I would recommend doing something along these lines as well as eye protection. Uh, my eye protection is my artificer focus. However, uh, do any of um, you have Al any Alan, options for you, eye protection? Um, me and brother might might fly away. No. <laughs> Depending on the strength of the winds, uh, can we like fit in your pack so maybe you could hold us so we don't get blown away? Radford uh, has unbuckled the belt around his bedroll 
and has loosened it up two or three notches to kind of like make an opening in the top. Um, oh, um, he says, you're welcome to hop in and hang on. Zop okay. will fly in. Come on, sister. Uh, mm, okay. Just watch your wings. I don't like the tight spaces. <laughs> you you clean this, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, when? When did you last clean this? Every day. Uh, okay. <laughs> Ten. And she, um, she climbs in. Okay. Uh, I would like uh, Radford and Owlin to make strength saves. Okay. And I would like the the twins to make constitution saves. The strength saves are to keep your feet. The constitution saves are to um, like keep your keep your composure, basically. Okay. As the the sandstorm rushes over you. I rolled a two on the die, which is an eight. Oof. Ooh, I rolled a 10 on the die, which is a 5. I mean, a 5 on the die, so it's just a 10. <laughs> I also rolled a 2 on a die, which is <laughs> Oh, my two. gosh. I rolled a 4 on the die, which is a 6. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You do not handle this well. <laughs> you do not handle this well. You've just made it out of the out of oh. the mountains, under the sun, and then here comes the, the dust storm. It wipes you the F out. Owlin, you get flipped backwards and kind of smack your head on the ground. You take a D6 of damage as the sand begins covering you. Uh, Radford, you've got the extra weight in your pack, which is kind of unbalancing you and making it hard to keep your feet. You fall over and take a D6 of damage. The twins each take a D4 of damage from you landing on the pack. Luckily, you had the bed roll around them, which cushions them a little bit, um, and that's helpful. Inside, the twins, both of you have the frightened condition. Um, until you roll a successful constitution save to break out of it. Basically, you are just overwhelmed and scared and there's loud noises everywhere and you can't see because it's dark in the bedroll and now you're surrounded by sand. And worse, the sand that is surrounding you is starting to build up. And so, Allen and Radford, you have one round to make an athletics check to try and pull yourselves above the sand before it buries you as the cyclone just whooshes overhead. I'm gonna I don't, roll another I don't like tension die to see no, how many rounds. No, I rolled the same thing. Oof. How? Can I do something else? Yeah, if you can. Yeah, go ahead. Um. <clears throat> how how buried in the sand are we right now? You are being buried in the sand. So your head and shoulders, and probably even your torso, are out of the sand. But by the end of this round, they won't be. It's piling up very quickly. Think of it like a okay. tidal wave rushing towards you and you're at like the bottom of the wave. So as the rest um, of the wave gets there, it'll cover you in one big motion. Also, yep. have we Josh, okay. that cast we're allowed? Yeah, do we are we do we know about the rod's ability or no? Yeah, Alan has definitely told you. Yeah, but if you're um, frightened, can you cast spells? Yes. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, can I use um, Chan to push like the sand that's piling up around us? Uh, yes. Give me one second to figure. I'm pretty sure Frightened does have an impact on what you're doing. You can't willingly move towards the object of your fear. And disadvantage but, and think, on ability checks and attack rolls. So actually, if yeah. you don't have to roll, then you can totally do that that spell. Yeah. Mage uh, Hand isn't an attack or anything. Mage Hand is five um, pounds of force, though, which is probably yeah. not enough to stop a rushing cyclone moving towards you. I'm when Zop starts doing that, I'm going to well, say... It's just pushing the sand around us. It's not trying to stop the cyclone. Build it up like a wall, like a bubble, like a ball we're inside of. And I say, hold on tight. 
get close, Alan. And I take a huge deep breath and uh, Radford's mouth starts to glow this almost cyan blue and he just boom, breathes this freezy ice stuff and I'm going to try and freeze the dust into like a shield that's around dope. us. Uh, you don't need to roll to hit. It's everywhere. Roll damage and let's see how much um, what's, yeah, roll damage and let's see how much of an impact that has. Ooh, that's uh, pretty good. Uh, six and a nine, so 15. 15, great. So you are able to basically, you're still going to get covered with sand from this plan, but you have a little shell around you with some breathable air in it. I want an air pocket. That's what I want. Yep, perfect. So you are able to create that air pocket, and it does, we'll say because of Zop kind of guiding the sand around, you're able to include Owlin in it as well. Okay. And so um, everyone's in this little air pocket as the sand suddenly and abruptly goes silent, and then you can hear nothing as the, the sand has fully covered you, you're insulated, and the heat begins dropping substantially. Constitution saves to deal with the cold. Alan with disadvantage, because you're wearing practically nothing. Ooh, ah. this is cozy. Do we get advantage for being in the bedroll? No, <laughs> with that you logic? Just, no, you're just, you're just normal protected. Mm, okay. I got a 21 for the con save. Okay. With disadvantage, I still got an 18. Nice. I got a 15. Okay. I'm looking up a thing. I have a thing called Draconic Resistance, which gives me resistance to cold damage. I'm not sure if this would be... That's fine for this. Yeah. Would, would apply for this as well. Sure. I, I don't think it does normally in climate situations, but for this instance, that actually makes sense because you just used a nice weapon anyway. Um, so, Alan, this is this is not dissimilar to those long nights you spent in military camps under the mm -hmm. stars where you were like on the march. And so you didn't have time to put up like a shelter. This is about that level of cold. And so to you, especially with like the sand kind of packed around like a little uh, bunker hole would be you're like, this is actually kind of familiar. Um, the twins are nestled nice and comfy in the uh, in the bedroll. And you are pretty much chill you know everything's okay uh you have uh -huh. no idea what's happening outside the air pocket because it's it's fully opaque you know it's it's blocked out by the sand mm. um and you therefore don't know if the storm has ended or continued but you can well actually you don't really have any idea how much air you have but any one person say, well, may could, make a survival check to i was guess about to say it. can can alan make a could he make an argument for an intelligence check as far as looking like thinking about science knowledge as far as like sure. the, Absolutely. the the volume that we have in this area and yeah. how many people are in? Okay. Sister, sister, are you okay? I'm 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 okay. Um um Bradford? You're, you're not gonna like crush us, right? You're good out there? Why would I crush you? I don't I just don't I'm want right you to here. fall over. Is uh, Bradford's like pass? up to his waist? In like we're in this little dome of sand and <laughs> dust, and Radford's like up to his waist in it. <laughs> it Alan, is, like, Alan it, is like scanning the area, and he got a twenty-two. Well, I, I can't see out there, so I'm just gonna give you this. You can and, put your hand. You can poke your head out. You're fine. Come on out. I I don't I don't want to. You just I'm gonna tell me when it's over, and I'm I'm gonna cast okay. guidance on uh, Radford and just dip my hand <laughs> just back the, inside. Hand that like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little uh, hand, just like this little Alan, baby hand. Alan, based on your calculations, you're pretty sure you've got about 19, 19 hours or so of air in oh, here. Okay. Um, because it turns out that even though the ice is going to block some of the sand 
like, you know, it, it stopped the sand from crushing you. There's enough opening in the sand below you that air is yeah. going to kind of filter in through the pockets. And so sure. as long as nobody panics and like uses up all the air, you're pretty sure you've got almost a whole day okay. in this air pocket. You just need to be okay. really cautious about how you behave. Well, you can uh, start doing some meditation. Yes, that that is a great idea. Uh, I It seems as though we have plenty of time uh, that we can rest here uh, while we wait for the storm to pass. Uh, in fact, about 19 hours. How do um, we know when it's passed? We won't. However, I think that maybe a good bet would be to at least wait a couple hours. Um, can Alan do like a history check to know if he knows anything about like dust storms in this area? Like, Do we how? hear the sound? I would accept nature or survival to nature try and for sure. about the yeah. dust storm. Nature. Uh, that's a 24. Okay, so buried under the sand the way you are, you're not able to hear anything happening above you. But if you stay pretty still and kind of pay close attention, you can feel the sand moving, like the little vibrations in the, mm-hmm. in the world around you. And so by, by feeling those, you should be able to tell when the storm has passed. Unfortunately, you don't really have a good estimate. Like you can't use it to forecast the length. You sure. remember from a, you know, a military survival briefing or something like that, that when you were warned about dust storms, it was usually said that like they blow up fast, they blow out fast. They're usually less than two hours. And so okay. if you can just get into some shelter and kind of hole up for two hours, you're probably going to be okay. okay. Well, from what I have heard, it will likely be around two hours that we will need to wait here. Um, but past that point, uh, we can also, if you stay very still, which I know that you two in the pack uh, maybe don't aren't touching any sand at this moment, but if you stay very still and while in the sand, you can feel that there is still some movement that is not just normal shifting. It seems to be caused oh, by it. Yes, yes, yeah, the wind is still, yeah. Um, that sounds very awesome. Um, you can feel the sand. I will stay in here until it's over. Yes, hey, while you're in there, there's, a, there's like a, a tan scroll case. Could you hand me that? What, you stuff stuff in here? Um, uh, uh, is is I, I can't really see what what color it is, but I've, I've it's found like a, a scroll it case. Was, it's really the only scroll Here. case. But it is tan. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you pick it up? I I, I popped it yeah, up I the got top. It. Thank you. Okay. I'm gonna pop the seal on my scroll case and take out some of my papers, and just like like I'm sitting at the edge of a pool. Essentially, just like like a, like a pool bar, <laughs> he's just gonna like roll roll them out on the on the sand in front of him, and and just what well, so we just need to like waste some time, right? Uh, yes, yeah, likely. I'm gonna start pouring over my studies. Okay, Ooh. you could also probably have brought those those that sheaf of papers with you if you wanted to pick another one or two of those um, notes that the the twins were given earlier to read through. Mm. Um, um, you could you could bring uh, those up Josh. if you wanted. Yes. Um, so I'm gonna pull out a an emerald pen, okay. um, and a and a piece of parchment that I have, and begin uh, documenting our journey. And it'll be like whatever the time and date is. Captain's under, log. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> caught in uh, sandstorm. No idea how long we'll be trapped in sand for. Alan's gonna like uh, like peek and see what he what what he's writing and go. Uh, uh, about two hours, as I said earlier, two hours. And you um, just crossed about two <laughs> hours. <laughs> uh, Alan, something for you to note is this pen does not require ink to write. That is 
quite interesting. I see you did not have to dip that uh, pen in ink, although it seems to be um, writing in something that appears to be ink. How does that? How does that work? Um, I got a uh, for my ten-year promotion at work. Where, where uh, everyone gets one. It's it's sort of a, a ten-year commencement thing. Everyone who's worked there ten years gets one. Where do you work at? Uh, the the municipal building in our village. Are, are, Stop are these bragging sorts about of your pens? job, brother. What what yes? What is your job? Uh, no, all I... sorts of things. Uh, like sometimes I'm uh, just taking like meeting notes. Sometimes I'm documenting court hearings. Sometimes I'm participating in court hearings. It really depends. In other words, it's boring. You're boring. I am not. Okay. Well, why don't you tell them what you do then, sister? Well, I'll have you know that I post uh, pictures of of explorations. I, I'm a bit of an artist, and and I I draw pictures of all the places I've been. And I'll have you know that people have paid good money for some of the pictures I draw, um, and 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 it's not boring. This is like the first time you've left the village. They don't know that. <laughs> the people who buy the pictures, that is. Are you going to draw I... this? Well, I was thinking about it, but I don't know if I really want to get out there. There's sand everywhere, and I don't want to get it in my clothes. Oh, well, I can I can get it off. I can clean our clothes real quick. I, I could, too. It's just annoying. Well, this is all extremely interesting. Um... But I, I am still a little bit curious. How does the pen work if it is only... If you didn't have to dip it in ink? I'll hand it... you the pen. Okay. Um. Uh, can Alan study the pen and see if he figures out how it works? He theorizes that maybe there's ink hidden inside the pen. But... Of course he can. Uh, okay. Let's have Alan... Eh, you have plenty of time and not really any pressure. So you go <laughs> ahead and study it. Uh, Trevor, what is, the, what is that item actually called? It's called the emerald pen. Oh, okay. Um, this pen is tipped with an emerald nib and requires no ink to write. While holding this pen, you can cast illusionary script that will require no material components. Oh, it's illusionary script. Um, and, and it's th- not all illusionary. Option. You just have the spell oh. as an option. Um, so, Alan, as you're examining it, where you expect to find an inkwell, maybe you pull the nib off the bottom yeah. and you're like, there's going to be an inkwell under here. Nothing drips out, no spillage, there's no inkwell. Instead, you see uh, an intricate sort of swirling pattern that leads to a rune at the back of the pen. Mm. And then as you look at the back of the pen, you can see that there's almost like a, a small little panel of um, silvered uh, copper that rests there. And so when your hand touches the pen, it activates the rune inside, like the heat of mm. your skin activates the rune and creates ink basically for the, the pen mm. to write with. Ingenious design. It's quite simple. And Alan will, will hand it back. Does it work uh, when you're outside of the range of the rod? No. Oh, well then quite convenient for you to use it here. Uh, do they, did you, how long was your tenure tenure? Uh, before the darkening did it function before the darkening yes other people had them before the darkening mm, okay Quite it's very important that we bring magic back so his panel work <laughs> yes that's yeah. one of the many reasons but definitely Everyone's the panel most work, important reason mine. yes well um, for the sake of all pens 
what the I was first also... hour goes by fairly uneventfully. <laughs> <laughs> what I was also going to say uh, to to you, Riley, um, that is yes? quite interesting uh, that your job requires or is of you know artistic nature as well as like documentary uh, nature. Have have you talked to um, yeah or any of the other four guys? Uh, Involved in well, I guess no. You haven't had a chance to talk to yeah. We should in the future talk about um, perhaps work involving four guys if if you're interested. That we we oh? would be in need of an artist to do um, perhaps documentation of I our mean, work or portrayal of our work. Aren't me and my brother already working for you right now? This is true. I just mean uh, in the future past this current um, adventure. Mm. I don't want to overburden so, you with more work while we're oh. Are you going to come be my at this boss moment. at the municipal building? <laughs> I, Alan's like unsure whether that's sarcasm or not. Uh, I I was not implying anything of the sort. I just was saying that after this adventure, um, you guys are under no obligation to stay with us if you do not intend to or do not want to. Um, I was just saying that Riley's skills outside of adventuring could be useful to us well, as well. After this, um, we can talk uh, about my contract. <laughs> um, and what it would entail. Of course, of course. Have you ever negotiated a contract before? Um, of course. I do it all the time. It's just usually with people who don't know what they're doing either, so it makes it very easy. <laughs> I do not doubt it. So what but do we know about Assembly Who? <laughs> um, it's a it's a small town at the base of the mountain, and um, there's lots of like taverns, bars, shops. There's lots of skilled labor. It's a it's a good place to like get equipment to stock up for on supplies. It's Either. basically a, a place for us to, you know, rest stop. But also, it seems to be where everybody wants to just kind of get away from everything. So, um, I'm not sure how they'll take to us traveling through. I'm sure there's probably like a touristy side and then a not so touristy side. I, I was, that's what I was going to say as well. I think it, I'm under the impression from what I've heard from you guys and from uh, like the other general research we've done that um, us coming as a sightseeing group slash adventuring group will not be an uncommon occurrence whatsoever. We should blend right in. Correct. So we're going to look for a guide there through the, uh, Rusty Woods, is that what it is? Or Rusty Jungle? Yes. Rusty Jungle. Mm. Cool. <laughs> yes. I even, here, I even drew a picture of what I think it looks like. Oh. And a little hand <laughs> pops out um, with a crumpled piece of paper. Um, here, Here's what I think it might look like. And it's just a picture of like um, jungle trees, right? But like painted with like a very rusty leaves and rusty colors so think of like the jungle but fall colored and <laughs> <laughs> seems accurate and then there's a little like little rusty metal bits on the ground we'll have to be so, careful where we walk and i hand it back so alan and bradford have you guys ever been buried in sand before uh, actually, uh, I have, but not because of a sandstorm, because of a sand trap. It was a much different story. Um, what, ooh, happened? what happened? Well, uh, the rest of your time in the sand passes, and I just rolled the tension diet passes okay. uneventfully. And so whenever you're ready to start digging out, feel free to take the scene there. I would say Alan will, uh, well, there we were, 
You see, we were trapped by these mercenaries who were uh, told to ambush us. They pretended like they were trapped in sand, and then they tra- tried to trap us in sand. Um, but, uh, you know, after... Um, has Alan received word that Rex and Sasha helped out the other group at the... Uh... No, the only no. word no. From, from Stainless... Uh, like, news has been real sparse. You definitely haven't okay. heard anything from Fox. <laughs> The only word from that adventuring party isn't even from that party. You have heard a Herald's report that there was some kind of massive crime wave in the city of Stainless <laughs> and that it ultimately culminated in one of the largest and most architecturally significant buildings in like the history of Urada being destroyed. Um, you have no idea what, like you don't know anything about the outcome of their adventure or whatever, but yeah. you and Laredith are pretty convinced that Fox was involved. Yeah. <laughs> whatever <laughs> happened out in stainless massive crime wave and then destruction. That does seem about right. Okay. So, um, uh, they, the people that trapped us ended up, uh, not necessarily seeming like evil people. Um, they were just kind of inexperienced and paid to do what they did. But anyway, it's, it's not necessarily worth telling the whole story in detail. Um, however, it seems like it's been about the amount of time, and I don't seem to feel the sand shifting anymore around me. Um, oh, so we're getting out of here finally? Yes, I believe that it, now it would be the time to attempt to escape. Oh, um, here you go. I, I, mm. I am intrigued by the idea of just trying to swim upwards in the sand. <laughs> it's not something I've necessarily tried to do before. An alternate option would be that I do have the spell Thunder Wave, um, and that could scatter a sphere of sand all around us. I don't know if it would send us necessarily upward. However, it would force a sand explosion all around us. So I'm not sure how good of an idea that is. Um, I, I can summon Billy to help. I can summon, summon who? Thomas. <laughs> Who's Billy and Tommy? I guess I'm not. Did you guys tell us about Billy and Tommy previously? No, uh, I don't know about Billy and Tommy. I have, a, I have a familiar. I can summon a familiar. I I just have an unseen servant. Interesting. Uh, Billy and Tommy are they? How? What are they? Would they be able to dig us out? Oh uh, well, one would be like, you know, a normal sized person. Well, someone more of your stature and invisible and just able to do basic tasks and i think digging would be one at least faster than i could dig okay well that that's has got a point trying. mine uh is like a miniature form of my uh patron um and what is your patron uh i believe you know her her uh like dragon buy stuff andromeda you buy stuff from you Oh, you mean our patron. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, our patron. I did not even realize that you were patrons or that your patron was Andromeda. That explains a bit. Alan will like <laughs> <laughs> process for a second. Um, well, yes, I think any, any help in this situation would be greatly beneficial. I would say let's try this. All right. And uh, another hand is going to poke out um, and trying to... I really like the idea of uh, Riley doing this entire adventure just poking her hand out of just like- Radford's <laughs> bedroll to cast spells and otherwise staying completely in there. Every time there's something to contribute, she's like written up her notes and then hands a piece of paper out the side of it. It just like <laughs> appears for someone to read. Amazing. All right. 
go ahead, Billy. You start digging us out. I'm and... going to uh, summon uh, my fine familiar. Okay, um, so uh, the Billy is an unseen servant, right? Correct. Okay. Um, and... You do simple, simple tasks. Such as digging upwards. Yeah. Um, okay. So first uh the the unseen servant begins digging and so looking up alan and radford uh the two of you see like two little hand-shaped furrows kind (laughs) of appear in the sand above you and then begin sweeping out to the side it's so Um, weird as they do you hear the like of the ice kind of breaking apart you know as the the furrows are are pushing it to the side um and then as as that begins happening you also see at or I guess, are you still in the sleeping bag? Is it? Do you summon your familiar in the sleeping bag, or like outside just, the sleeping bag? Okay, so yeah, appearing on the ground in front of you, sort of swirling up out of uh, shadow with just a hint of strange laughter, uh, is a very, very tiny, uh, perfect replica of Andromeda the Silver Star, um, with uh, complete with green fur over white scales, uh, or poking out from between white scales and. Uh, Andromeda shows up, flops on her back, accepts a few belly rubs, and then leaps upwards and begins helping burrow. So there's like this little dragon that's like burrowing, 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 burrowing upwards. And there's these hands that are kind of digging out the sand next to it invisibly. And all seems to be going well for, you know, 10, 20 seconds before enough of the ice has cracked that the pressure of the sand above begins weighing down on the operation. Uh, and then with a all, sort of all at once crazy motion, boom, all the sand just collapses on the group here. I would like everybody to roll a strength save to maintain your breath. And uh, then we'll figure out how you try and excavate yourselves from the situation you're in here. I'm going to roll a tension die. 16. Um, can I have Eight. the unseen servant just hold its invisible body over this top of the th- the the bedroll so I don't immediately cover in sand. I was going to uh, say, probably it's not a lot of sand that's going to get in there, and I rolled a 20. Oh, well, then never mind. Let's see here. Oh, I also rolled a nat 20. Let's go. The, okay, well, between, between those two nat 20s, sure. Um, the, the unseen servant blocks like a five foot space over you. Um, how, how did Alan roll? 16, 16 and Zop, did you roll? What'd you get? He held up fingers to the camera, but I, I did eight, eight. Okay. So, uh, Zop, you are luckily still in the bedroll, I think. And so you're, you're still protected by the others. Um, Alan is, you're doing okay as far as keeping yourself oriented and you took a big breath beforehand. So you're, you're holding your breath, but like the sand has, has fully collapsed. Now your time has gone from, you know, another day to like, you know, a couple minutes, maybe uh, at the most of breathable uh, air down here. Alan is going to resort to his thunder wave idea. (laughs) Okay. Um, but thunder wave, you can, I forgot about this. Thunderwave is a cone. It's a cube. My bad. It's it is cube. still a cube. Gosh dang it. I thought it was a cone. Thunderwave is um, a cube, and it doesn't distinguish between friend and foe. It also pushes away, though. 
Yes, it? it does. That's true. It pushes, it pushes. It's a 15 foot cube that pushes everything within that 15 foot cube 10 feet out. Yes. So that's potentially moving some of that sand 25 feet away. That's true. Um, I think Alan is going to take that into his own hands and do it. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's going to cast Thunder Wave on himself. Great. Uh, every the, the remainder members of the party, I would like you to roll a constitution saving throw against Alan's spell save DC. I'll roll the damage. Sorry, everybody. Uh, remember, you have guidance. Um, Bradford. And what's... Oh, right, I was going to say. I got a 94. It's a D4, uh, I think, before you know the outcome. It's only five thunder damage. For on, a, um, on, a, on a failed save. What is the DC, Alan? Oh, gosh. What is my spell? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at my spell save C DC in so long, I haven't had to. 14. I, I didn't make that. I got a 23. Nice. And I have evasion, so I completely dodge it. Nice. So only nice. I'd like to make a case that they are where I am though. Ooh. Cause we're in the bedroll. That's fair. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, that's fine. You you all pass. It's five damage. Um the the sand gets pushed away from you in this big sort of uh, like a it's two damage on almost. a pass or on, on a fail so, or on a pass sorry you still take half damage but. Radford doesn't though oh okay um, cool okay. he got, he got them abilities anyway so this poof, and this just all at once you, you know it's like a I don't know if you snap your fingers or what the components are that you use but boom this big dome of sand appears over you and a bunch of it has been shoved out to the side um, the remainder is very very tentatively holding like the the force has you know how you like force an arch together the outward force mm -hmm. has kind of stacked it against itself and so the downward so, momentum is not falling you're back in a bubble of breathable air but you know you even, have no idea 20, how long you have even 25 like so it's a much bigger space now but 25 foot up we're still covered in sand yes 25 feet up you're still covered in sand dang wow okay um, I'm going how, up. How deep Come are with we? Me. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, I have seen him do this before. We can trust him to come with him on this journey that is about to happen. Uh, I don't think don't I really have, a, have choice. a choice at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am let's going to try. <laughs> pull myself up out of the sand and the run up the wall shoo, 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 <laughs> up okay. towards the towards the top. I hope you're following, Alan. Alan can try. Uh, <laughs> um, At least the first half of it is the right shape of slope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to jump off and try to palm strike this thing right in the center. So the idea is to break it loose enough so that it like falls down so that maybe we can like stick to the edges and okay. climb up around it. Um, Radford, go ahead and roll your attack with disadvantage between carrying the twins and jumping and attacking straight up. Alan, roll an athletics check to keep up with him, and I'm going to yep. roll a tension die to see if... Oh, that's the sixth one, too, so we'll have to clear if the pool. Alan, if, if Radford's punch doesn't work, Alan has a backup. Okay. Um, and because this tension die wasn't a complication, Alan Gosh, will get a chance to it. use it on this same attempt. 15 to hit. 15 to hit. You are able to hit the sand at the top of the everything, um, let's roll. I don't know what we roll for that. So never mind. You just get it. Um, essentially I want like, we're in, we're in like a, 
a capsule of yeah. air, right? And so I want the sand to start falling down at a rate so that we can stay above it. So I see. So like you want to like start the sand falling and then just start climbing basically. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. just stay ahead of the rising floor. Stay Perfect. in the air bubble as it rises up to the surface. Great. Ah, so you start physics. the chain reaction of things falling. I want you to now athletics check from Radford and Allen to climb as the Allen, sand is falling. Allen only got an eight. Could I make Oof. a case for an acrobatics check? Since no, acrobatics is for going across or for going down. Up is athletics because it's your own strength that's going to pull your body weight upwards. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Um, 12. Okay. So uh, 12 and an 8 on the athletics yeah, checks. Yeah, that's rough. You are able to make some progress, but um, it's it's probably not going to be enough. Here's what I'll do. I'm going to clear the tension pool, and if there are no complications, you make it to the surface. But if any of them we is a complication, then you get stuck again. Two, three, stay four, ahead five, of it. six. Looking for a one, and we don't have any ones. So you that are able so to close. barely make it to the surface. Um, the, the two of you, yeah, you burst out of the sand like some kind of strange whales emerging from the sea and you like flop over Ooh. and the sandstorm has only barely passed. It is like just ahead of you at the foot of the mountains. And so you can see now the sand is just lashing into the base of the mountain as the storm kind of dies out against the cliffs and the rocks of the Cavorite Mountains. Um, and you are able to lay down and catch your breath and the sun above you beating down a cloudless sky, almost bleached white by the fact that the sun is just up there, like directly overhead shining down on you and the sudden heat, you know, especially for the two twins who are in the bedroll, I'm going to need a constitution save as it just heats up like that. I mean, you are in the desert. There's no humidity to drain the heat away from you. I got Yo. a 19. Seven, let's go. <laughs> uh, you are, um, for the next hour, fatigued. It wears off as soon as you come out of the bedroll, which is why it's not like a long-term fatigue. You just have one level of exhaustion for the next hour. Could, could I pop out of the bedroll now? Yeah, of course. So if I pop out of the bedroll, does that mean I'm no longer fatigued? No, I'm saying, okay. I'm assuming okay. you pop out of the bedroll, yes, and that's why yes. it's only an hour. Mm. Okay. Uh, and so now you all lay on the grass. Uh the grass, the sand. the sand. The sand. That's what I meant. I said sand. You heard me. Sand, grass, same thing. Yeah, whatever. I I, I completely apologize. That was an eventuality that I should have considered. I, I, <sighs> I'm sorry. Is this normal? I I don't think I've traveled in a place like this. and um, I'm kind of glad that we're doing this on a contract basis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't say that anymore. We got to hop to it. This sounds uh, brutal. Yes, uh, 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 I agree with Radford. We must continue on. But I, I, as I said before, I would like to formally apologize that we will be on the lookout for that from now on. And we should always be scanning for uh, areas to take shelter if another um, disaster like that happens. Radford, if mm -hmm. I may, can I, can I ride on your shoulder? My shoulder? That's weird. Well, I, I want a, a place to work, and, uh, I mean, it's either that or your head. You don't like my pack? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with it? It's nice and soft. I just, I kind of felt like I was dying in there. <laughs> and it was I, nice I just, and cozy. I just, just don't want to be near it right now. 
okay. And I tightened up my pack. Well, the shoulder's kind of weird. Uh, cause I'm not, I'm not too huge on skin on skin contact. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Alan, can I ride on your head? Uh, yes, that would be completely fine as long as you don't, uh, pull my hair or something. I won't try to? That, great, perfect. And I'm gonna fly up onto Alan's head and I'm just gonna pull out my, sit down like crisscross applesauce <laughs> and, uh. She always skipped flying lessons in flying class. God, what are you talking about? You're the one who always skipped. Oh, I no. see. That's mm-hmm. quite interesting Nuh-uh. because, you know, for creatures that don't have wings, we don't necessarily need classes for things like walking or running. You didn't take walking class? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like, you know, a more athletic type of flying, you know, obstacle oh, yes. course. Oh, like stunt flying? Yes. Competitive flying and, and things of that nature. Well, then, of course, yes, athletic. I'm so sorry. That was short-sighted of me to not consider that part of it. Of course, that would be. Well, I just pat Alan's head. It's fine. You can leave the thinking to me. Uh, that is not nearly my nature. However, I am intrigued to know more about your thinking process. Let's continue on. Chat says the Riley to Alan ratio is pretty similar to the Cleo to Jake ratio in real life. <laughs> It is not. <laughs> Cleo, next believe. time I'm in town, you can ride on my head if you want. I can't believe Jake called me a manlet the first time we met. <laughs> I am upset. All right. So you continue on your journey. The The desert, the Southland desert is a barren wasteland. There's nothing to see for miles and miles. And so you continue walking at whatever rate you're able to continue I say, uh, Alan would like to keep an eye out, um, whether that's with nature or something, to just always be aware of like places where we could try to take shelter if another dust storm kicks up or something like that. Absolutely, uh, Alan can do that. Let's use nature. Yeah, roll nature. Okay, this time Alan is going to use his. Roll a good uh, nature. Well, he is because he's going to use the rod of intelligence to boost this intelligence-based check to Sounds make sure good. he rolls something good. Oh, jealous. My old flame. (laughs) (laughs) That was a 22. 22. All right. That's a pretty exceptional uh, watch you're keeping there. Um, So the rest of the first day passes uneventfully. And as the sun goes down and the moon comes out, um, all that counts is here and now. And uh, (laughs) uh, sorry, can you can you say it again? No, Uh, the are you stopping for the night or are you going to push through? Alan's going to check in with the group. Uh, what do we I'm think? I'm fine. The cold doesn't bother me. The cold doesn't quite bother me either. I just want to take the temperature of the group, especially as to whether they need the benefits of um, rest. I mean, I, I would like a rest, but I can rest, you know, You've while, been resting, while I guess, moving. in some ways, you've been resting on my head this entire time. I, I mean, I've been hard at work. See? It's only and polite I, I, to return the favor. You should let Alan rest on your head the rest of the way. I don't yeah. think that's how that works, Radford. I agree, Radford. She should pull her weight. That's right. You, you should pull Alan's weight. Perfectly well, brother. That's not how that works. <laughs> Listen, and I have been hard at work. Look what I made. And I, I hold down a piece of paper, and it's a uh, very dramatic description, uh, like picture of... Uh, spiky sand poking down in a dome formation and 
and all of us screaming and <laughs> writhing uh, in the sand as, as we're sinking into it. See, Why did you add a white dog? We didn't have a dog in there with us. <laughs> no, that that was that was supposed to be you, Radford. Yes, I see it. I yes, I. See you got like a little muzzle thing going on, and then you got you got your scales, and yeah, it's the it's the beard spiky thingies that actually differentiate you in the photo or mm, the picture. My chin spikes, yeah. yes, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> chin spikes. Well, anyways, if if you're not opposed, then I would be okay with moving on through this night and taking a rest tomorrow. Um, Do we know how much further we have to go? Uh, you can make a survival check to try and navigate by the stars. I mean, I can't. Well, someone can. <laughs> hmm, I, I think I was reading up before we left. Let me see if I can't figure something out. And I'm going to roll. You said survival? Yes. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Whew. I got a nine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you oh, think yeah. you're going the right direction. Well, we're definitely headed the right way, and I, I, I think we could get there by morning. Well, in that case, oh, I we think we get there by morning. Yeah, well, yeah, we're continuing on. Well, in that case, uh, all right, let's continue to be vigilant. <laughs> the group travels through the night. Uh, that complication we just rolled is is a die that was already rolled. That one's not real. Um, the green die is the new one. Uh, so you continue on through the night and. Uh, morning comes, the sun rises, the heat begins. Uh, there are, you don't even have the rusty mountains in sight. Um, the desert continues stretching on away from you. Uh, there's hardly anything to break it up. It's hardly even hilly. Like it's, it's just Did straight desert as far as you can see. Map? Um, no, I map? No, I mean, I was going off of the, the reports we had. Here, let me let me so, dig in uh, Alan's pack real quick. Alan, I'm just gonna start digging in your pack. I hope you don't mind. We're getting kind of close to Hembleyhoo, right? You I said we should be there by morning. So, does the report for Hembleyhoo mention like give it a map of like how to get there? Uh, not the like. It, yes, there's probably you could draw a map from the the combination of all the reports. Uh, Hembleyhoo okay. is at the base of the Rusty Mountains. The Rusty Mountains are a uh, four to five day walk across the desert, the Southlands Desert. It's like 60 to 90 miles of desert that you need to cover. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. Oh, did I say morning? Um, yeah, you did. That's why we didn't sleep last night. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, it was actually like uh, uh, a week. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody go ahead and roll the uh, Constitution save against exhaustion. From walking well, through the night, I would say if uh, if given given another chance, Alwyn will look out for shelter, but not necessarily for a storm. Just to like, well, if we must, we we could actually rest during the day and then travel during the cooler areas of the night. We may actually, I like um, that idea. We may actually gain up some time that way. That's some good thinking, Alan, and pats Alan on the head. As Alan's a reminder, constitution was only seven. Uh, okay, you take one level of exhaustion. Anyone who rolls below a 12 takes a level of exhaustion okay. on their constitution save. Um, as, a, as a reminder, the wilderness is a, a barren and hopeless place, and unless you are able to find a true shelter for yourself, described as having walls on all four sides and a roof over your head, um, you get the benefits of a short rest from a long rest. 
and no benefit from a short rest. We talked about this in session zero, um, but I know that was a while ago, which is why I'm reminding you. Um, So the, that's the, the circumstance you can still get that short rest and it will probably still be good. But as far as like removing exhaustion and all the other long rest, you know, getting your hit die back, all that stuff. Here's what we're going to do. I take out my big winter blanket that I keep in my, in my roll. And I take my walking stick and I spike it up, <laughs> put the blanket over it to make a little sun shelter, lay some heavy rocks, I don't know, stuff, maybe bury it with a little bit of sand on one end to like tie it down. I'm getting some shut eye. We're going to, we're going to walk at night, right? Yes, that, is, I, that should be the plan. And you too. And he points to the, to the siblings. Yes. You're, you're not, you're not physically walking, right? Um, most likely not. Okay. Alan, let me see your shoes. Alan's going to take off his big boots. Pour the sand and out I of am them. going to use maintained shoes. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a part of my rest, uh, you can repair your companion's shoes for the next 24 <laughs> hours. Up to six creatures of your choice who wear shoes you have worked on can travel up to 10 hours a day without making saving throws to avoid exhaustion. Wow. Nice. Shoes. That, that's a very interesting. Okay. Look at that ability being relevant. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Okay. So uh, Radford takes some time to work on the shoes under his, his winter blanket. And that does mean that Radford can get the benefits of a long rest. Um, that shelter is probably not big enough for everyone else to to curl under. Maybe the twins, if they like, curl up like cats. Uh, well, At least one of the twins, tent. but yeah. Um, and I I pull out this like little tiny, uh, just tarp construct that uh, is held up by two like small sticks, and it's like I bought I bought this at the at the little local adventuring um, store before we left our hometown. And I think it's perfect. And, and it's just big enough for her and barely that. What is it? Like what is literally like uh, just like two sticks and a piece of like a tarp like substance, like just very uh, like wool. I think what, what is it? Like, um, is it a D and D item like though? Canvas. Like, no, no, oh, it's just okay. literally this... a piece of canvas and like two sticks <laughs> that somebody <laughs> sold to me saying it was a tent because <laughs> i was like I, w- I wanted a tent and they're just like i don't have anything your size and i was like uh well, then that's discrimination and then they they made something <laughs> up on the spot and they gave jury nullification <laughs> <laughs> okay um so that's it's that's just a piece of canvas that's that's where i was looking for is canvas it's just literally just a piece of canvas attached to two sticks okay I just put the sticks in the ground. What about Alan and Zop? Uh, Alan is going to take his bedroll and um, also uh, I don't know what Alan's going to do. Um, <laughs> uh, Zop is, has his, his bedroll. Um, he's going to dig into the sand. And then put the bedroll over top. Oh, like do like the where it's like a ditch with like the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Uh, roll survival to dig out your little shelter for yourself. Uh, 12. 
12. Yeah, you dig a decent enough shelter for yourself. It's maybe not perfect. It could use some windows or some natural light, but you know, it'll it'll keep the sun out. Um and so now we just have Alan looking for a solution. Alan feels stumped. Alan feels <laughs> ill prepared. Alan feels bad, man. He feels as though he wasted, not wasted. He spent a lot of time, six whole months on attuning to the rod, but then because it took so long, he only had a couple of days to prepare for this journey, and he feels like he did not do an adequate job. Mm. Um, And that's kind of getting to him, and he tries to, like, take the rod of intelligence and kind of, like, stick it in the sand and take... uh, He takes uh, Big Boy out of his pack, Big Boy being um, one of... Yeah. Uh, Jeb's old uh, items and also stick it in the ground and kind of take his bedroll and try to like get it to be like kind of held off the ground by those two things and kind of try to shimmy underneath but they're not very tall items and so it isn't really doing anything yeah. and he just kind of like um, he just kind of like frustratedly kind of gets up and goes I, 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 I'll, I'll just take the first watch I'll figure something out later later do you and need so, help digging? Uh, no, no. I will. Um, I'll take I the can first summon watch. Summon Billy again. Alan, go ahead and roll perception for the first watch. Dirty twenty. Okay. Uh, nothing in particular happens. There's nothing to look at. It is mind-numbingly boring in the wasteland. At one point, a single gust of wind blows some sand into your face, and it's like a welcome relief from the monotony. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Um... And then your watch comes to a close if you're done with that. During that time... Alan's just going to settle for like sleeping in his bedroll, but not like necessarily doing anything special to try to keep the sun off of him or something. He'll like try to fit as much of himself inside of it as he can. Okay. I assume so a bedroll Alan functions like a sleeping bag. Rest. Yeah. And his exhaustion doesn't get any worse. Yep. Uh, okay. Is anyone taking the second watch? Like, is Alan going to wake someone up for a second watch? Oh, uh, Alan will wake up Radford for second watch. I'll do that. Okay. Radford takes second watch. Uh, Radford, perception for me, please. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, that's 21. All right. 21, and nothing in particular happens during second watch either. The sun reaches the ground, and it is nighttime. You are all continuing to walk through the night, right? Yep. Um, okay, as great. everybody yep. gets up, Radford kind of kicks some sand on a little fire that he had that he had put up. Um, I have used my my chef's materials as part of a long rest. I can bake some goodies for the day, so I nice. hand out a couple couple little muffins to everybody. They Thank had special you, stuff in them. Sure thing. What Ooh, special this will stuff? last me a whole day. Oh you- yeah, I should probably give you guys like half each. These things Nothing are probably wrong. like the size of your head. <laughs> Riley's like ho- ho- attempting to, to hold on to her. No, I can, I can, I can. Uh, it's, this is I mean, I hold on to it. You can come nibble at it whenever you want. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, 
Silk okay. special stuff is in it. Oh, you know, it's a family secret. It is the good stuff. I can confirm. It's extremely nourishing. You and one might say it's a vibe. (laughs) Um, Mechanically speaking, it deal. It gives you four hit points. Deals four hit points. Whatever you want. I'm gonna uh, take some a nibble out of it. To you, it probably looks like a crumb, but for me, it's like you know a little chunk. Cool. Uh, Well, this was very good, Bradford. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, somebody should choose who's going to roll survival to orient you with the stars and keep you walking in the right direction tonight. Oh, I was paying attention. The sun went down over there. So that... Wait. I think it's those things. Sun went down over there. Wait. <laughs> okay. Um, let me let me look at the documents this time and, and make sure that we're, you know... Go I ahead and roll with advantage. Um, between Radford thinking he knows where the sun went down and you checking your notes. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh. ah! Oh. All right. Um, oh. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Of. I got fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Yeah, you're yeah. able to figure out which direction is the right direction. You're headed towards the Rusty Mountains. That way. Uh, you travel through the night with nothing eventful or dangerous happening to you. Although at one point you think you hear the cry of a distant animal, um, something loud and and trumpety. Uh, off in the distance. Um, Owlin, you might recognize this as the sound of a large elephant somewhere out there. Ah. Um, and then we come to the next morning. You're using the same situation to rest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, I'm just going to roll one tension die for the day. And that's the end of the tension pool, so let's clear. Oh, clear out. Uh, who's on second Whoa. watch? It would probably have been Zop and Riley this time. Since yep. Yeah, so which of you take second watch? Uh, I would take second watch. All right. Riley, you are taking second watch. Uh, around you, people are sleeping, Owlin, as well as he can, um, <laughs> and and resting. And you you feel something in the ground before you see it. You feel the ground start to shake a little bit. Uh, and then you look up and you can see emerging out of the sort of hazy distance that is a desert that stretches onto the horizon, these sort of small, like insectoid shapes kind of rushing towards you. Um, you don't have a very good judge of distance between being a tiny creature Um, and then being off on the horizon, but something is kind of racing towards you. I'm going to fly up just to get like a better perspective that gives me yeah like a second point of reference yeah you take a quick little upwards jaunt and now you can see that whatever these things are there's three of them and they're kind of kicking up a cloud of dust behind them um racing toward not like straight on it doesn't look like they're running at your group they're just running in your general direction like if they go in a straight line they'll pass you they won't run into your camp or anything um but these these creatures that are rushing towards you they get closer and closer and you know, they, they go from gray to like a silhouetted black to eventually finally being close enough that you can make out some real detail. And you can see that they're actually not as small as maybe you thought they were when you saw them way off in the distance. Uh, instead, they are pretty large and they have these right. sort of hooked tails coming out of the back of them with like a large spike uh, at right. the at the end of the tail and they're rushing towards you and again you can see like the dust cloud behind can them I, the plumes uh, getting more clear now can I roll um, for to tell tell what it is sure you can roll a nature or a survival check all right 
Okay, I got a 14. You got a 14. Uh, with your 14, you even if you haven't seen like giant ones like this before, you know what a scorpion is. This is like these are three of the largest scorpions you've ever seen. Uh, and they are rushing towards you. I'm going um, straight down yep. uh, to Alan's tent. Okay. Uh, probably I don't have a tent. I'm just curled up inside oh, my bedroll. As Alan, much you as I feel can. a really soft little like in the top of your bedroll. Mm, Al- uh, yes. Alan, uh, yes. Um, I don't want to alarm you, but there's... If it's something um, worth being alarmed, then I would like to be alarmed. Um, well, there's sorry. three large scorpions um, coming our way. I don't think they know we're here, but um, they mm. might find out we're here. I, uh, I, okay. I'm going to sit back up. Can I, can I tell, like, how far off they're going to pass us by? Uh, if they roll, continue? Roll maybe an insight check to try and, like, deduce from their, their path what's going to happen. Non-nat 20? Non-nat 20. Uh, they're going to pass you by a good you know, 70, 80 feet, something like that. Uh, off to, off to your North. They'll, they'll pass by your camp. Okay. I, I'm going to zip back down. Um, it looks like they might pass us by 70, 80 feet, um, to the North. If we just kind of mm. stay low, maybe they'll pass us. That is quite possible. Alan will also dig deep in his brain, try to think about things in, uh, nature wise. Um, what is a natural predator to a scorpion? Does he know of any? Off, like if he if he thinks about it or needs to roll for it? Uh, a a natural predator to a normal scorpion would be several of the more fierce birds of prey. Uh-huh. Um, but you can roll a nature check or a history check to try and recall something about specifically like the monstrosities that are giant scorpions. Okay. And if you he'll, if you know of anything like that, I'm gonna go uh, wake up Radford. Um, um, Radford? Yeah, what? Um, not to alarm you, but there's some giant scorpions that are going to pass us. Well, that's alarming. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, they're, they're going to pass us, you know, about, you know, seven nations to the north. So I, I don't think it's going to be a big deal, but I thought just in case, you know, they notice us. And then Alan's going to kind of like wave and be like, it's, it's all right. I'll take care of it if they get closer. And Alan rolled a 16. Rolled a 16. Yeah. Uh, bigger scorpions, they're probably being hunted by bigger birds if something's hunting them. Okay. Uh, in fact, you you know of a few larger creatures, you know, like dragons, dragonelles obviously are big enough to prey on, on giant scorpions. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's also a creature called a rock, R-O-C, uh-huh. um, that, it, you know, huge bird, 200-foot wingspan, uh, fierce cry, often mistaken for a dragon and sometimes even seen fighting dragons for territory. Uh, those birds are also uh, likely prey or likely predators, I should say, of the the giant scorpions. And they are also associated with desert environments. So from your your historical recollection, you think that's most likely what's pursuing these creatures if they're fleeing okay. from something. Oh, if they're fleeing from something. I am Got going it. to take my blanket and like I'm going to pull my, my uh, staff out, lay the blanket flat down on the ground, start burying it with sand, and I'm going to get underneath it and try to like get out of view so it just looks like sand. I say Alan's going to try to do the same thing, but first he's going to um, get out his tinkering tools and one of his ball bearings. And uh, basically what he's trying to do is prep some some artificer tinkering to the point where if the, if the scorpions start veering close to them, he can make a tiny item emit 
a sound, a nonverbal sound that can be perceived 10 feet away. Okay. Uh, and so if they get really close, he's going to try to like um, make the, the ball bearing like, like kind of like toss it out and have it sound like a, uh, a bird of prey to scare them off. Um, if, if that is what it comes to, but he's also like, once he gets that like prepped, he's going to like try to sure. do the same thing. As what are the bird. twins doing? There's um, room for you I'm, in here. You stay still. I, I don't think I'll I need was to never hide. woken up. Um, <laughs> and I guess you're already in like a little ditch yeah. with the yeah, bike. Like, you're there's already saved. Already sand on top of you. Um, I'm I'm gonna make sure I stay prepared because I I have a few ideas um, of how to deal with them should they come this way. Amazing. So are you staying above the ground? I I am laying flat to the ground, but, but I like am staying on top of the sand. Okay, no, I'm not digging in. Great. So you were laying down on the sand. Alan is working on the artificer preparation. So before yep. there, you know, there's going to be another round of activity here before you dig your hole, Alan. Yeah. Um, so you're you're doing your your preparation, kind of getting things ready, maybe keeping half an eye on the the scorpions as you yep. kind of try and focus on both. And um, Riley, you are just kind of laying down on the ground, trying to be be ready and aware. Um, with an 18 on the die the rock that is pursuing these three giant scorpions swoops out of the dust cloud behind them. And so at first it just looks like the dust cloud is suddenly moving faster than the scorpions are. Um, It just this big whoosh of it kind of swoops forward. And then out of that, as if it's, you know, emerging from the blast furnace of hell is this giant bird, 200 foot wingspan, deep blue feathers, these like sharp piercing eyes like a hawk would have, but way larger on a totally different scale, white fur on its underbelly with a red stripe down it. And these huge hooked talons swoops down and it grabs the middle uh, giant scorpion and the other two panic and like flail out to the left and right. And so one of them is now rushing straight towards you as the other one rushes away. The rock soars up into the sky, already kind of pecking down and shrieking at the the scorpion it's holding before releasing it at the top of its its arc. And it just plummets to the ground with this huge puff of sand emerging. Uh, the rock is now going to try and decide which of the two remaining scorpions to pursue now alan has a good audio sample for his uh, that's (laughs) true yeah (laughs) for his ball bearing okay um the as as it's getting ready to dive alan you have a decision to make your artificery is prepared are you going to dig down or are you going to stay up and and get advantage on your your chance to intimidate with the the sound of the bird uh if he deems that that will be advantageous he will go with that route instead he'll stay up Okay. Yeah. It just means you're more likely to get a good throw, right? From underground, you can't get the timing right. Okay. So, um, perfect. So then in that case, Alan, go ahead and roll an intimidation check with advantage, um, to scare off. Or if you can convince me of another skill, you're welcome to do that. Intimidation is fine. That makes sense for this. Um, and then the, the scorpion's going to, you know, bulldoze its way towards you sand flying up in its wake, your camp now directly in its path. 15. That's not as good as I hoped for advantage. 15. Let's roll a save. On a natural one. Let's go. uh, That 15 uh, is plenty. And so as it's rushing towards you, the the sound of the bird, that same battle cry that you just heard, Alan Mm -hmm. has been able to replicate 
And it's so believable that the scorpion tries to juke the rock as it dives towards it. And so it jukes to the side and runs right next to your camp. It actually blows sand in your face um, as it rushes past. So however, now Alan will spend his next action trying to bury himself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, however, the bird has gone for the other huge scorpion and uh, has caught it. And so now there are two huge scorpions that have been killed and are sort of in a little pile. And the bird is kind of the, the rock is looking into the distance. Those, those intelligent uh, hunters eyes gauging whether it's worth going after the third one or not. It seems like after a little while it decides to leave it. Um, and it sits down for about 30 minutes and feeds itself with one of them and then grabs the other one and flies off into the distance. Uh, Alan, with your sort of rudimentary knowledge of wildlife hazards, um, you can kind of put together the pieces that like this creature probably has a nest somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so there are probably more of them. Um, and that brings this encounter to a close. The sun is on its way down and it's just about time for you to continue walking anyway. Well, um, if we want to rest up for a bit and then continue on, that was... I'm not sleeping after that. I don't know about you guys. I'm not sleeping after that. that never, what did I miss? Wait, what, what happened? Oh, you missed it. Um, there was a, a, a whole flying bird thing and giant scorpions and... Wait, which one's a scorpion? Which one are those? What's a scorpion? It's the ones with the legs here. I was in the middle of of already sketching it out. Here's a rough sketch, and I show a rough sketch of like a demonic looking scorpion (laughs) with a large tail. um, Oh, I think I read about those. I think I saw them in a book. Yeah, yeah. No, there's three of them, and then this big bird. uh, Here, let me sketch that one out too. And I I draw (laughs) this like you know bird with like three different talon grasps coming out and. four sets of wings and <laughs> I was I was going a bit creative with it but it was like a normal birdish thing uh just very big giant bird Yeah, yeah wow you know. to the to to the wheatlings that bird must have looked ginormous huge yeah yeah um have have has anyone told you that you are a heavy sleeper uh, I tell I him all think... the time but he doesn't he doesn't believe me it doesn't come up often that uh that that is quite evidence of that um we will have to keep in mind in the future that if something happens while we rest we will definitely need to wake you up if we can yes please do i don't want to die (laughs) (laughs) he wouldn't have died he would have been fine oh he could have been eaten for sure well i i had a plan just in case to be fair i don't believe scorpions eat giant scorpions eat humans i think that we are more obstacle to them but we're not human. Well, I, I am. I apologize. I didn't mean necessarily mean humans. I'm not even a human either. I meant. Uh, I'm not even a human either. I have no idea where this is coming <laughs> no, from. None of us here are humans. Uh, this is internal bias coming from the human <laughs> puppet master that is controlling me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't like uh, where this is going. This is scary. I mean, we're humanoids. Maybe that's what you humanoids. Meant. Pretend I said humanoids. Um, <laughs> I don't believe they view humanoids as food. Are you going through an existential crisis? I am quite flustered, and I kind of am, because I pride myself on being prepared, and this has not been a great uh, execution of that. However, I believe that it is time for us to continue on. Prepared? I can help you be prepared. 
and you turn and they're having emerged from nowhere as if teleported <laughs> there, but clearly having walked by the length of footprints behind him is a, uh, a dwarf unlike any you've ever seen. He is uh, fair skinned and totally sunburnt head to toe sunburnt. <laughs> He's got on like a little like toga, you know, robe kind of thing, but his arms, his face, his neck completely sunburnt, almost as bright red as the red hair kept in a mullet and his handlebar mustache. He has these twinkling brown eyes and he's carrying a way oversized pack. Like if Radford's gourd were like six X scaled, this is that's what this thing would look like. It's this huge. It almost looks like um, like like a like a hot air balloon, like strapped <laughs> to the back of him, you know, and, he, and he's carrying all this stuff and he's hobbling towards you. Yes, yeah, somewhat like that, actually. Yes, that's not that's not a bad illustration. Uh, the mini that Wash is holding up to the camera, um, but he's he's walking towards you. and He goes, I can help you be prepared. There's nothing. Nothing can't get you. Uh, what do you what do you need? Uh, um, I'm going to do a medicine check uh, to see if like uh, if he has sun, sun poisoning needs. Yeah. <laughs> like, do does you, that need to be treated? Do you know where the uh, Rusty Mountain is? Rusty Mountains? Yeah, they're that way. And he points back behind the way he came. Uh, I've rolled a 16 uh, to check on his sunburntness. Oh, he's he's real sunburnt. He's probably sun poisoned. He seems to have sort of worked it into the natural immune system of his body, and he's just kind of rolling with it. Uh, <laughs> he seems like he's been sunburnt so long that like his skin wouldn't know what to do if it healed. You know what I mean? Like his freckles have freckles. He's <laughs> how how far away is the mountain? Oh, just another couple days walk. Do you need any supplies to help you get there? Uh, uh, do you have yeah. any portable shelters? Perhaps? Absolutely. Let me see here. And he swings off his his pack with a deftness that you would not have guessed from the small dwarf. Uh, but as he puts it down, it reveals huge biceps from carrying this thing everywhere <laughs> and shoulders. He sets oh, it oh down wow. and he clambers up to the top of it and then unzips a zipper and the whole front <laughs> of it like folds down into a little carpeted area. And so from him leaning on top, he's like sort of leaning over it and reaching down into the bag. And he's like tossing stuff out, making this big mess on the sand around him. No, those are sand shoes. Those are all oh, that's that's leather. That's uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, here we go. Shelters. And he pulls out this giant tent. So this should be big <laughs> enough for the four of you. Well, two and a half of you. And he tosses down like, you know, tent with stakes that can be wrapped and carried by someone. Um, it's it's about as tall as Alan is, you know. Like it will it will encumber you, but um, it's a good shelter, good quality. That'll keep the desert heat right off your back, and it'll keep the wind away from you too. You can even stake it down. And he hops off the the top of his little inventory and lands on the sand next to it with a thud. Sand shoots out to the sides like a little shockwave. He goes, you can even take these stakes. And he shows you, these ones have lead weights on them. So if you just bury them under the sand, they'll hold it in place in the case of like a sandstorm that blows up. I mean, you wouldn't want it to be in like a big old cyclone, but any, you know, medium sized storm, this will just take great care of you, you know, just your average sandstorm. You still want to obviously follow proper safety protocols and dig on down if you have like a real sandstorm coming after you. But those little, the little squalls that blow up, this will take great care of you. What do you think? Just 350 wingle digits. Uh, <laughs> I do not have that many. Um, What's your health and safety worth to you? <laughs> Sir, <laughs> um, you, you're, you're sunburned. Do, do you do you need healing for that? What are you talking about? I'm not sunburned. <laughs> <You're, laughs> 
You're you're very clearly sunburnt, sir. I the dolphin's right. just got thick red hair. See, it's like this bug on my arms. <laughs> Don't you I, worry about old duffin. Um, I'm just gonna do. I'm do just gonna have, cure uh, wounds. Uh, eye and like eye protection and like a face cover. Yeah, we got some covers. Hang on. And he turns around and clambers back into his pack right as um, Riley is reaching out to do the healing magic. He climbs back up and in. Uh, and he said, let's uh, see uh, here. And a few like, you know, pots and pans and kettles kind of fly out the top of the the pile of stuff until finally he emerges and goes, all right, I've got cotton, leather, and silk face wraps. Which kind of wrap would you like? Uh, whatever's the least hot. The least hot. Well, silk's going to be the softest. Cotton's going to be the warmest. But leather's probably going to be the most durable. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what about breathability? You can breathe just fine through any of them. These are all face wraps. They're built to be breathed through. I'll take the leather. <laughs> the leather one it is. And he hops down. That'll be five wingle digits. Three. Oh. Three wingle digits for a good sturdy survival piece of equipment like this. You can't find equipment of this quality this far east. Do you know where I had to go to get this? I had to go the whole way up to Fladena. Where's that? It's in the north. <laughs> that that doesn't mean anything to Brother, me. Brother, I don't think he's he's gonna really want to haggle unless you have a reason to. I think that quality of leather is worth three wingle digits. Well, you don't have a very good eye for quality, then. <laughs> I don't think you have a good eye for quality. For three wingle digits, I can sell you this cotton one here. <laughs> Brother, I, you're, you're not, you were never good at haggling. Sure I am. Can I make a persuasion check? Uh, not without coming up with a good reason to try and persuade him. <laughs> but listen, sir, I... I, I you Ignore could make an insight check to try and figure out what the pressure points might be. I will do an insight check. Okay. But for for the tent, um, thirteen. If- uh, let's see what the how well he guards himself <laughs> with a nat one. You know, uh, he um, he seems like a person who's very proud of his independence. Um, and so he's, he's, you know, he's, that's a big deal to him that he's like doing his own thing and he's on his own. Um, but he's, he's got an obligation to someone like you can hear it in the way he talks about the quality of his wares and the fact that he doesn't want to negotiate on his prices. He seems like he might, um, oh, you know, he has a debt that he needs to repay or something like that. And as you're watching him trying to figure out what it is, you notice that around his neck is a, a little twine necklace with a holy symbol of Kotix carved out of wood laying there. And you kind of put the pieces together, like maybe the church of Kotix took care of him at some point. And so he's trying to live this independent lifestyle, but he feels indebted to them and wants to pay them back. And that's why he's having so much trouble bending on his prices. Um, well, I can just continue on my way. You get no money or I can take the leather mask for three and you get something. I'm just saying you can continue on your way, but this is good quality material right here. Sir, it's average quality material at best. Says who? Says me. I'm, I'm a good appraiser and I appraised it myself. So am I. Brother, will you just stop for a second? Okay. <laughs> You're going nowhere. Listen, sir, um, for the tent, 
Um, yeah. That that our companion here, Alan, was looking to indulge in. Um, I, I don't think that price is something that we can afford, but if perhaps I can offer some relief to you, because um, your skin's really, it really is burnt. You need to see somebody about your skin. My skin ain't burnt. My skin's just like this. What are you, you talking you, about? You don't uh, understand. Um, I'm going to touch his skin uh, to see if he reacts to the sunburntness. Does it turn okay. white? <laughs> you touch yeah. his skin, it does turn white, but he doesn't react. All the nerve endings in his arm are fried. <laughs> this this wow. could shorten your lifespan, sir. This this is a problem. What do you mean, shorten my lifespan? Well, well, elders who talk All persuasion. about how. Let's see. Let's see okay. if you can get him off balance a little bit. Ooh. That, that's, that's, that's way up there. Ooh. Persuasion, that's going to be 20, 21 plus 4, uh, 25. 25. So what you're that's saying, it. so what you're saying is if I, if I, if I don't have my arms taken care of, then I'm going to die. Well, I mean, yes. But it's just, you know, it has a very high risk of developing into problems that can, you know, lower your life expectancy substantially. Um, you, you ever heard of cancer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say I have. What's she like? <laughs> uh, well, can cancer is um, a disease uh, that doesn't go away very easily, and once it's taken root, um, can can kill, kill you. Uh, mm. And it's usually debilitating, um, and, and sun exposure uh, that as bad as this can can lead to it later on in your life. No, but I couldn't. I couldn't let you, cause then I'd I'd owe you one, and I have to track you down. We can't have that, you know. Like I don't, I won't have to be chasing you down and owing you stuff, you know. You don't have to owe me if you give us what you think is fair in return right now. So what you're saying is, you do a little hocus pocus and make my arms less burn, and I give you a tent. Well, a tent and uh, <clears throat> and, and a leather face wrap. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I figure compared to the tent, it's not much on top. Roll persuasion with advantage. You've got him on the ropes. I have a DM question. Does okay. Alan have access to any of four guys' uh, resources from Gaim? Or no? Sure. Roll a d10 and multiply it by a thousand, and that's how many wingle digits you brought. Oh, sick. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I I got twenty five again. Twenty five again. Okay. He says, mm, "Do the arm thing first. Let me see. If, let me see if there's any seriousness to all this. But I ain't gonna owe you one because I'm gonna give you the tent, right?" Well, no. I think that's what we agreed upon: the tent and the face wrap. Yes. Yeah. Good. All right. And he, like, um, very right. gingerly holds out his arm towards you. He's, like, very hesitant. I'm going to go ahead and cast Cure Wounds. Okay. You reach out to touch his arm to give him Cure Wounds, and, like, his bicep is as big as your whole torso. You know? <laughs> like, reach up and, like, <laughs> ding, uh, and cast Cure Wounds. 
the the red sort of recedes and like slopes but almost like um like like when a, a snake molts or whatever uh and it like just slithers out it's like the opposite of that where like the red just recedes underneath his tunic and kind of vanishes and it comes up and across his face and his face goes back to being fair skinned and you can see that under all that sunburnt there's like a little you know set sparse dotting of freckles but otherwise he's just a, a little fair skinned dwarf um and he he looks down at his arms and he goes as i live and breathe how strange you, so, you clean up well nice. So those those weren't just arm hairs then on old Duffin. Duffin always no. thought those were just arm hairs, you know, and he like shows you his arm hairs if you've never heard of the concept like these, <laughs> but redder. You know, like, because no. I got the mustaches nice and red, so I just assumed it was all red. Well, anyway, you done, you done Duffin a good service, and I'm pleased to make your acquaintance, and he reaches down to shake your hand and oh, like does uh, not realize how much smaller you are than him, and oh. so it kind of hurts a little bit as he like shakes your tiny please, hand. Please be gentle with my arms. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, here's your here's your your tent and your um your face covering, and he hands over the leather face covering. He goes, I'll just uh, I'll be on my way now. Thanks. And he we turns around really and begins zipping and putting up his, you know, putting his pack back together and whatever. I uh, to hold in, on to the leather face covering. But in yes, order to zip it, he has to like put the, the canvas in his teeth and then scale the outside of his pile of stuff <laughs> and then like zip it at the top. And he kind of slides back down and you can see that he's built in an actual slide. So as he slides down, it like harnesses his arms into the straps <laughs> and he like and kind of stands up and hefts his pack. You wouldn't happen to have a sled in there, would you? Let me see. And he boom, sets down the back, <laughs> climbs back up to the top, unzips it. The whole thing falls down. He kind of reaches in and, you know, climbs deeper and deeper. His little legs are poking out the top of this big pack of stuff. Um, and he's kind of searching around. And then at the bottom, Radford, you have to like use your monk instincts and duck out of the way as a random piece of junk from the pile zooms out at your face. Um, and his little head pokes out through the hole he's made. And he goes, yeah, I got a sled in here. Do you need like a like a toboggan or like like what kind of sled? Yeah, like something for uh, like pulling this big, huge tent across the sand. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if this will do And he and it just like flings the bottom of the pile out to get the sled out and so the whole thing just avalanches down and he kind of rolls around in it and comes out the other side it's very much like that scene in harry potter where like all of the gold is on them and they're trying to escape Mm -hmm. the vault he kind of like pulls out the front of it and like here we go and he and he sets down the sled on the sand it's got these big wide skids so that it won't like fall underneath the sand um, and it is just the right size for you to set that tent on top of. You know, it's not like it's not big enough to haul people or anything like that. But it's it's just big enough for like a large tent or maybe a couple of adventuring packs to to sit on. And so you're able to um, put the tent on there. And he says, now this one you're going to have to pay for. That's 100 wingle digits for a sled of this quality. That is some of the finest Ari Vale wood that uh, you've well, ever seen on that. I say before any of the wheelings can start to haggle or anything <laughs> like that, Alan is going to step forward and hand him the hundred wingle digits and say, we are greatly in your, in your, we are, he, he realizes as he's about to say, we are greatly in your debt, <laughs> but he realizes that that's something that this guy would hate to hear. Greatly so. in my, in my shadow. <laughs> he points up at the huge <laughs> top of, like, pile of stuff behind him. Yes, that is exactly it. We, we really appreciate what you have done here. And I appreciate getting to do it. You all have a fantastic rest of your journey. And he oh, and- turns around and begins putting his pile of stuff back together and whatever. It seems like it might take him a little while. He might be at this for a while. 
just make sure you keep your skin covered and and you know get healthy amounts of shade don't Maybe let yourself walk, get sunburned walk with your pack to the sun <laughs> he like waves at you from where he's working he's like you know he's got his mouth full of canvas trying to put his bag back together <laughs> well right. let's uh continue onward what uh, an odd and by fellow. the way uh brother you can um have this face wrap for five winkle digits <laughs> <laughs> and on that note tonight's dungeons and dragons <laughs> session comes to a close uh we will pick up next week uh as we continue the the adventures of this crew unfortunately next week our good friend trevor will not be with us what is a reason that um that that your character uh might miss the the next session what's what's something zopf might be occupied with um anyone in the group is willing you know able to contribute here obviously uh anything hmm. to do with um andromeda or the the clan they're a part of um you could be pouting <laughs> pouting too much from his failed attempt at haggling and his sister winning chat says oh. that maybe he's sleeping through the whole session like maybe he's <laughs> in the tent that you're pulling on the sled <laughs> so Zop just uses uses uh, the leather wrap to like as like an eye cover like for like a sleeping mask <laughs> no, and then Zop, just Zop would out. not give actually riley the five out of pride <laughs> ironically he could have like heat stroke or something <laughs> That's because uh, he rejected the the mask. Yeah, he rejected the mask, and he ha now has some health debilitating health effect because of it. <laughs> yeah, Dang. and because he's so small, you can just roll him up in Radford's pack until he sleeps it off. There you and go. And because you have the tent, Radford doesn't need to unroll his bedroll. So, like, maybe that's where he is. This yeah, is <laughs> chat says this is what his people usually have their yearly pee. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That, that's oh a, that's a reference. R slash brand new sentence. <laughs> what is that? Is that a reference to something? Uh, no, I don't yeah. think so. It, it is. Oh, really? It is. Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know that. Um, I think that's from the Orville. Gotcha. It is. Uh, um, oh, yes. I do remember that now. That put a call callback. Uh, well, anyway, thanks, chat, for hanging out with us. Uh, I hope everyone had fun. Um, and it is nice to be playing D and D again. Let me, let me tell you, yeah. um, this has been great. If you want a recap of the season one and season two things so that you've got like the full story caught up until now on YouTube, on Spotify, everywhere else, whatever today, a full recap, like just the recap that we've been working on for a while. It's like the, the polished finished version of that is now live and you can watch it and see it's it. It's super and helpful happened. and a good explanation and very funny as well. It, I think it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's all those things. And next week, join us to uh, see what happens when this adventuring crew makes it to the Rusty Mountains. Until then, from all of us here at the Winged Badger Tavern, what do we tell the people, Alan? Uh, I believe that the phrase we have coined is GG and GN. So it is. Night, everybody. Bye. Good night. And then I left like, look, now we have a little end screen. Because nice. I got that, that dope art.